Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 143, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, we are one week into the lockdown with coronavirus. What can teachers realistically do? Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, our old co-host, Lissa Pruitt, is back, and she's going to give us some tips on what working parents should be doing with their kids during the coronavirus lockdown. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by the principal, Christina Pollard, who will hopefully give us some real-world perspective on education in the world of COVID-19. Christina Pollard, what a year 2020 has turned out to be. Indeed, it has been an interesting year. Uh, I mean, I guess I almost want to start, like this is how I feel right now. I just want to start by taking a deep breath. Can we do that? Yes, mindfulness is important. All right, I'm just going to I have been actually try- starting to meditate. Like that's where I am in, in my mind. I'm, I'm reading too much news and it's, um, you know, it just kind of, it's kind of eats away at you after a while. You have to step away from it. Um, I can't imagine the world that you and your colleagues have been going through this week. Everything's just been flipped upside down and forth perspective for somebody that doesn't live in Mississippi where we are. Um, you were supposed to be on spring break this week, right? That's true. And it hasn't really felt like a spring break. I'd say Monday and Tuesday, of course, we had plans a long time ago. Um, every year we spring clean inside, manicure the lawn, you know, to, you know, work with our son in the yard, get lots of sunshine. But my mind had not been relaxed all week as I've been wondering and not necessarily worrying, but anticipating what's to come. If you caught our show, our last episode, we recorded that, I think it was March 9th. Um, mm-hmm. and, and things were starting to look grim. I think there was one California school district at that time that was looking to close. Um, and we, we still put that show out there because we did talk a, a fair amount about the coronavirus from the perspective of that day. But by right. I think that was a Monday. And, and I was supposed to be at Disney World uh, when we were going to air that show. So we had it pre-recorded and ready to go. And I mean, within five days... It changed everywhere for everybody, and I think we've still seen it evolve uh, throughout this week and how states are reacting, and and we're going to be talking about this today a lot from your perspective, and and again, we're in Mississippi. We're going to talk to you about the perspective there, but what I want to do with this show... It's still rapidly changing. Last Friday, when we were finally um, appearing to take measures and to pay attention, we had six cases in the state of Mississippi. Since that time, as of today, there are 80 reported cases in the state of Mississippi. Right. And we should say today is March 20th. And this show is going to probably turn around in about two, maybe three days. So the show will be about two or three days if you're listening to it right when it gets published. Um, I don't want to record these shows until we kind of get towards the end of the week because so many changes do happen in the week. And, and basically, right. our, our format from here on out is sharing ideas uh, about how teachers and parents and students are, are reacting to COVID-19 coronavirus. And, and here we are kind of wrapping up the end of week one. So what has this been like 
for you this week? I mean, is this even something we can do? I mean, everyone kind of came out the gate like, we're going to do distance learning. There are 40 million K-12 through students out there. I mean, can is this even realistic? Well, first of all, there is a digital divide, and that needs to be addressed. Um, and I'll give you a great example. Um, my school is 100% poverty. We were very fortunate. Uh, two years ago, um, we earned a school improvement grant worth $2.1 million. Within that grant, a very small percentage could be spent on technology, but we we utilized <laughs> the entire portion that we were allowed to use towards technology, and it put us in a one-to-one situation. We did not send our Chromebooks home, but in the classroom, there's not a child can't put their hands on a Chromebook at any time. With that being said, they don't have internet access at home. So we're already trying to figure out what can we do as a district to provide access points um, somewhere within the community so that our children can get to, you know, we can deliver or drop off those Chromebooks, but they're no good if they don't have the access to, uh, you know, high-speed internet. And I really like that you're here with me and giving us that perspective because there, there are a lot of districts around the country that are going to be able to do this distance learning. But I almost started thinking this morning, and you, I think, have probably thought about this too, is even like trying to conduct this as if you're in a classroom. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, like synchronized. Is that the right um, move? Or are there other ways to do this? Because you're going to have to find those other ways. You, your teachers can't necessarily... I think it's situational, to be honest with you. I just, I just think it depends on, one, what grade band you serve, two, what community you serve in, and what access your children have. Because the resources and the access my child has is drastically different um, than the children that I serve in my school community. I just think it's situational. So right now, um, I've had multiple planning conversations with my teachers, even though we're on spring break, and we realize it's going to be best to put something in the hands of the children that they can physically touch and work on and not uh, you know, have parents stressed or worried about the internet access. At the same time, my school is kindergarten through eighth grade. So realistically, I believe every fifth through eighth grader in my building has access to a cell phone. They certainly bring them to school every day. Right. So with that being said, we're still going to attempt to push out instruction using Google Classroom um, in hopes that they can access it. Now, if it's a Go phone, you know, those are the ones you put money in pretty regularly to try to keep the phone going, not necessarily in a contract like most of us have where we know this phone is going to be on for however long. That's something to consider, but we're going to we're going to hit it in every way that we can to meet the needs of all children. So if I hear you right, you're basically attacking this from two fronts in your district. You are uh, you said you're physically giving the student stuff like how are you getting that to them and you're going to use the Google suite. Yes. Well, one of the things that we've already discussed in our administrative meetings is ensuring that every child gets a breakfast, a lunch, and even a snack. So working with our child nutrition director and following the federal uh, waiver that's being offered to school districts, we hope by Wednesday of next week um, that we will begin busing uh, our meals out. And when we do that, we're going to have um, academic packets ready um, for children. And we're going to hit those bus stops just like we would if we were running the routes for school. And that's something we're going to try to take care of pretty okay. quickly. Okay. So that's a great idea. I'm really curious to see how that works when we talk next week. But um, how do parents even know you're coming? Like, how have you been communicating with parents? 
Well, we we are uh, a school status district, and I'm not sure if our listeners um, understand the phenomenal access and data support that we have through school status, but we can push out broadcast messages to every homeroom. Each teacher can do that. As principal, I can communicate with the entire um student body through their parents, through school status. And so we're also using all social media fronts, our school websites. We're using every tool that we have. Right. You know, um, full disclosure, school status, of course, we mentioned them at the top of our show, every show, they are our sponsor. Um, they're in like eight states right now. I think they have, I think, close to 200 school districts. And I just know from talking to them that they, I mean, they're always busy moving text messages. They do a lot of one-to-one communication that's then recorded. Yes. Um, and, and actually, there's a documentation of that one-to-one communication from teachers and parents. But their usage has skyrocketed. And I actually asked them this morning. They said they got, they, um, I guess you can say, facilitated close to mm-hmm. a half a million text messages yesterday. In one day, half that's a million. Why. That's, that's, that's why it's important to use all fronts that you have access to. Another thing that I provide for my parents is a digital newsletter, um, not endorsing or supporting, but this is the one that we use from s'more.com. And I could import all of my parent emails from Active Parent that they have, you know, they, they do that during the registration process. That's also how they access their child's grades. So I'm able to pull that spreadsheet, download all of the emails um, through our active parent, load it into my digital newsletter website, and then push out information regularly. So I sent in a newsletter out yesterday to my parents, just giving them some steps on how to talk to their child about the school closure, um, some websites that they can put them on if they have access to it on their cell phones. And then today, I literally just sent out another newsletter with some information from Epic Mississippi that has a text messaging service to support parents with trying to teach at home. This is the Wild West. And I mean, while there are so many phenomenal teachers and educators around the country and the globe, I don't know if anyone knows for sure what to do. So if somebody has an idea, please, please, please share it. In fact, I've I've been kind of like watching on Twitter just to see if anybody had anything different. One of our past uh, guests, Steve Isaacs, he said um, he's going to actually have their students fill out a quick Google form daily as like Mm -hmm. an attendance thing. And he he was going to just kind of challenge them with like, you know, what did you learn today? What's your goal? for tomorrow any questions comments or concerns i guess just to kind of get in some sort of routine um Um, but communication itself is going to be important not to track attendance but to provide some type of comfort mm -hmm. to our students i mean you think about middle schoolers you think about high schoolers you know they, they can handle this a little better than our younger students but for our primary children who you know were in a routine who were looking forward to go to school every day that is the highlight of their life they are so out of order right now um, that I'm sure after spring break, some people, you know, were already already had their spring break. So this is their second week of being out of school. It's going to become um, a challenge, I think, by the third week. Uh, students will miss their teachers. They'll they'll miss the interaction with their classmates. It's going to go beyond the academic support. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, schools offer a lot of social and emotional help. Uh, I mean, yeah. is there a way? Have you guys even started thinking about that yet? Or are you guys just figuring out, you know, how do we get curriculum Absolutely. out there? Absolutely. We certainly have. I mean, all schools should be equipped with a school counselor and or interventionist. And so with our planning calls, that is one of the things that we've talked about what type of motivational means, what type of information can we provide uh, to parents using our digital newsletter. But we're also going to talk about creating 
videos. I don't have the name of this principal right now, but about six months ago, there was a video that went viral of an elementary principal who would get in her PJs and she'd read a story um, and record it and push that out through the school Facebook for her elementary children. And she was really praised for that. It was really cool. Um, great to make sure children have access to you know books and building relationships. And so I've always had that in the back of my mind. And so I am sure next week as I get with my team, um, we're going to think about producing not just instructional videos to teach parents certain strategies on how to help their kids, but providing some some videos just to provide some comfort to kids and um, probably push those out in the evening to tell them how much we miss them, to give them um, you know motivational support, to be honest about what they might be feeling, and then give them access to emailing me um, their feelings, their concerns that allows them to, to work on writing too. It's multifaceted. That that's great. Now, what what are your expectations realistically for parents? Uh, I mean, and, and imagine the parents that are either maybe both at home, both having to like you know furiously do their jobs remotely, and they have mm-hmm. this child in the other room who they they can't necessarily you know attend to constantly to make sure that they're keeping up with their work, uh, their schoolwork. I mean, what do you guys expect from them, and what should they be doing? Um. First and foremost, we expect them to keep their children comforted, keep them calm, and try to keep it as normal as possible, um, especially for younger children, because like I said, it's going to become a little frustrating for them as they're not being allowed to go anywhere. Um, I do recommend that parents develop some type of daily schedule um, that includes, you know, from the moment they wake up to um brushing their teeth, breakfast, sort of like the routine you would have before you'd hop on the bus Mm -hmm. and then set times for how much time are we going to spend working on any type of academic packet sent from the school. If they are a parent that has internet access and they're in an affluent community, how much online learning time will we put forward? You must include recesses and brain breaks you know, lunchtime schedule, snack schedule, because we all know the children are wanting to eat all day long. And that's definitely going to impact a parent pocket. But if you keep them in a routine, that school belly will, you know, adjust itself. And then in the evening, obviously having free time, um, open discussion to talk about feelings. And during the academic learning time, it's a great time for the parent to then work, um, online or remotely, depending on what their profession is. Sometimes you have to be on conference calls like myself. I have two conference calls scheduled this afternoon. And so I inform my family um, in advance what times I am not accessible when I close the door. But I have a high school student. And I remember how he was when he was five, six, and seven. Lots of Mm -hmm. mommy attention. So I can only imagine, you know, what it could be like. What are you as an administrator, like, where are you going to be next week? Are you still reporting to school or... Most of this, yeah. I have to report to school on Monday. Um, We are having very limited staff on campus right now. The uh, decision from our superintendent is our child nutrition workers select child nutrition workers will be in the cafeteria preparing the the grab-and-go meals. Um, I will certainly work in the main office in order to provide support directions and get our academic packets together. I may have one um, non-certified staff member come in to field phone calls and, of course, pay bills um, through the bookkeeping office. But 
the schools themselves are only accessible from eight to 12. Mm -hmm. And if the school is not open, the doors will not be unlocked. Um, We will have signs on the door explaining the number that they can contact and the website that they can, you know, view for recent for updated information. But we're only going to take deliveries to ensure that we can get grab and go meals out to our students. So what about special education? It's, It's a challenge in person. What do we do now? And what requirements? Like, is this still a mandate, I guess? Well, yes, there will always be a mandate. And there's actually been some um, direct information um, from the Fed, should I say, um, to provide guidance to us as to how we should serve those students with special needs. One thing we want to clarify um, right off the bat from the U.S. Department of Education, from the Office of Special Education, is that if a district is not providing educational services to students during the closure, then there is no requirement to provide special education services to the students, clearly. However, if you develop an online instructional delivery, so to speak, class instruction, then yes, you will be required to provide some type of um support to students with disabilities so that they have equal access to the same opportunities. Right. I don't know if I followed you there. So, so you're saying if, can, can you, can you reset on that? Like, wh- yes. So let me just say it basically in layman's terms, because yeah. what I was providing for you was the verbiage right. um, that we re- received from the state department. So as of right now, we are in school closure and we are not having any type of instruction. Therefore we are not liable to do anything different or special or in addition to for our students with IEPs. Okay. However, next week when we begin uh, delivering academic packets, Mm -hmm. we will need to provide some guidance for those parents and how to serve their children. We may need to provide some of the accommodations as modified amounts of the work, extended time to do the work. It just depends on what each IEP says. We are also going to be required to um, amend every IEP to address the distance learning. Because you're no longer in an instructional environment where you can say, I'm going to serve this student three, three times a week, 30 minutes each time. You, you can't realistically say that when you're not physically present to teach the child. So we will have to amend IEPs to clearly state how we can serve them during this um, strange time of, of in, instructional support. But I will say that suppose that I was a high school principal and we do have virtual learning. You realize that in the state of Mississippi and we have online courses being provided to high school students or even middle school students. We will be required to provide um, accommodations and modifications for those children that are enrolled in those courses with IEPs. So you've got to be very careful with your next steps on how you're going to provide that type of instruction. Uh, So here in our state, uh, it looks like the governor has said we're closing schools until April seventeenth. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I don't think we're gonna reopen. I mean, it just we we wrap up school. I think in late May, May twenty second, or somewhere around there, depending on where where you are. I mean, mm-hmm. am I am I wrong? Is that kind of the feeling that you have? It it is because it's really you really have to handle it on a case by case basis because you also have to address students on homebound um, legally. Any children that are receiving homebound services, their parents can request in-home services, and we have to provide it. 
So, And so that would put the district at risk of ensuring that the homebound teacher is equipped with all of the resources to protect them and keep them safe while they go and service a child at home. Okay, a couple, couple more questions about the, the future. I mean, seniors, what's going to happen there? I, I mean, are they, they going to graduate, you think? I know you're, you're, you don't serve seniors, but have you heard anything well, about that? Yes, sir. A lot of conversation is, is is circling around what we're going to do about our high school students receive earning credits at the end of the year and what we're going to do about our seniors. As of right now, um, the State Department has requested um, a waiver to eliminate any um, accountability tied to attendance, graduation requirements, um, you know, uh, state high high risk uh, high stakes testing, right. and so until we get complete approval from all of those things, um, I don't think we can really comment on next steps for seniors. But I will say this: if all of the graduation requirements that are currently in place are waived, then I do not think it's going to prevent seniors from graduating. I think it impacts their next steps um, on where they're going in regard to two-year, four-year colleges. Um, It may impact scholarships, but I think everyone around the country are going to be involved in conversations on how to move forward. I heard, um, I think it was Florida, maybe the governor was saying we might, you know, I think they may have even announced that they're closing for the year. And then um, next year, parents may actually have somewhat of a say in whether their child advances. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I just really don't know what to think of that. Um, I don't, I don't think that parents should have, um, full say. I think that giving their opinion, for example, if you feel that your kindergarten student really needed the last nine weeks of instruction and you don't think that it would be in their best interest to move forward to first grade, that's a logical and great thing to think about. Um, coupled with the teacher and the principal. But to talk about a sophomore, which I have a sophomore in my home, Mm -hmm. to talk about holding back a sophomore for the last nine weeks of school. I mean, let's be realistic. Um, All of your standards should have been taught by now. Well, and and let me me rephrase that because I may have, I don't want to say misquoted, but misparaphrased the governor. From what I understand, everyone will advance unless a parent wants to hold them back. And that might be more. Okay. So that's, that is a very different statement. And so with that being said, the example I gave about a kindergarten or a primary student, I think that it would be very critical if a parent is worried and the data doesn't support the child being moved forward. um, Then I think that's a good discussion to have. Uh, Again, I'm going to ask you this. I kind of started off with this, but is this doable? Is this, is this realistic or is every teacher, and this is going to sound harsh, are they just going to kind of go through the motions and do the best they can and that's what we're going to get? Or do you really feel like the confidence that like, no, we we can do this. We can get some instruction out there. I am extremely confident in America's educators. Yes, we can get instruction out to them. No, we cannot turn their parents into um, effective, high-quality teachers because they have not been through the same training that right. we've been through. But we can keep them exposed. We can keep their brains exercised by providing them with rigorous um, but yet doable um, classwork and provide them access to videos and strategies um, that parents can uh, interpret. I think that we need to make sure that we're accessible 
um, via email, via text messages, sort of like through our school status. I'm not sure what other school districts use so that teachers don't have to compromise their personal um, telephone numbers numbers and whatnot. But we need to have business hours, in my opinion, from eight to three available for parents as if school was open and, you know, help them. Right. You know, we've, gosh, for two and a half years as we've been doing this show, we've talked a lot about um, teachers you know, need more respect. Um, they need to be paid for what you yep. know, they deserve. If anything that's going to come out of this, I think every parent in the country is like, I'm not qualified to teach my kids. No, I'm not every, but that's the way I not feel. Only I, can, that, I can speak for myself for sure. That's correct. But not only that, they're not qualified uh, to create the learning environment needed to keep children engaged. Right. And you imagine having anywhere from two to six children in your home that you're trying to educate on multiple academic levels. And then you think about a teacher having 30. Oh, no, I can't. Her classroom. I can't. You and know, and it, I, it does take skill. It takes a lot of patience. And, and routine and discipline mm-hmm. and, um, you know. And, and I mean, strong content knowledge. Yep, exactly. Um, look, this is going to be interesting. Um, again, uh, my goal is with this show to bring ideas from, you know, different points of the United States of, of how um, people are trying to accomplish this. Again, it feels like it's the Wild West and, and we're going to be kind of, you know, building the airplane as we're flying it. But uh, I'm really curious to hear as we go along, what's working for you and what's not working for you and what did we think was going to work but didn't work and what came out of nowhere that was like, this is a great idea. I think that's that's really our goal over the next several shows. I'd like to share a quote from our state school board chairman, Dr. Jason Dean. During the school board meeting, um, recently held, he said, school buildings are closed to the general public, but learning is not closed. We will have trial and error. We will make mistakes. We will identify what's effective, what's not effective um, for our school, different school communities. But at the end of the day, we are charged with serving children and we will do it face-to-face when we can. We will do it online. We will do it any way possible to ensure that they continue learning, that they feel safe, and that they feel loved. It's a, it's definitely a, a fantastic sentiment. And, and I, I pray, I hope, I wish the best for all educators across this country. It's going to be quite the challenge in the coming weeks, if not months. And um, I definitely, you know, we all need to stick together on this and and share ideas. Are you ready uh, for our uh, Bright Idea guest today? I'm really ready. Let's do it. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is our old co-host, Lissa. Lissa, how are you doing? Hey. I'm good. I'm great. Yeah, right? Like, okay, so anybody who hasn't um, kept up with us on the show, um, you know, you were our co-host for like the first, I don't know, 90 episodes. I forget when when we actually switched. But um, you have been teaching for, what, are we pushing 20 years now? Uh, yeah, right, okay. right under 20. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're pushing 20 years. You've, you've got the master's in gifted education. You've done, you know, elementary school, different, uh, you've done math, you've done middle school, uh, you've done like whole entire classes. And right now you're the um, art teacher at a large school. How many, how many students do you have this year? About like 600? Right under 700. Wow. Second and third grade only. I bet you miss them right now. Am I wrong? I do. I do miss them. It is sad. Um, we, you know, it's hard when you don't know it was your last time to see them. You know, that's that's sad. You, um, out of everyone I know, you're probably like naturally the best with kids. Like you're you're like uh, the Pied Piper in your neighborhood. Like kids come over to do activities <laughs> and stuff and art and and you all you not only have your 
your elementary school where, where you're the uh, teacher there, you have your art studio, Bristol's art studio, um, where you teach a lot of kids, which I'm sure is in hiatus right now. Um, yes. But I guess the question I have is this question is kind of for parents and for teachers. And, and that is what do teachers expect from parents? And, and to me, like as a parent, I've got a five-year-old running around, we're trying to do work, but I also want to make sure she gets an education. Like what should parents be doing? I'm, I'm such at a loss right now. How do you keep a child entertained? Well, it's, it's not all about entertainment, number one. Mm-hmm. So you do have to have, you have to level with your children and say like, we, you know, every day here at the house cannot be the most fulfilling, exciting day. And the truth of the matter is, if you are at home trying to fill your child's day with instruction that matches uh, the instruction at your, you know, say second grade level public school, that's not the same. So if you you forget how much time children spend in transition in their school day. So, you know, with, with car line or bus line and lunch and bathroom breaks and then recess and then PE so, or So you're saying we don't we don't have to have eight hours of schooling or however long a school day is like maybe it's a little bit shorter than that like maybe it's four I'm hours. I'm saying yes I'm saying please don't do that please don't do that to your children because okay. that that's, is that's not good advice long, that's good advice that is not how long they would have been in active instruction time um from the highest qualified individual right to also issue that instruction instructional time so No, I think if you, you know, and I think it varies based on age. And so um, yours is quite the youngster. So I feel like two hours of active engagement max. So that means you could be doing an art activity with your child or you could be doing a nature walk, um, you know, or you could be doing ABC mouse, you know, with your youngster. Two hours max of active engagement there is great. For school-age children that are, you know, in the lower elementary to mid-elementary, I feel like three hours, and then you're great. You did it. Um, Well, And and, and sometimes, you know, I know everybody's on a different pace right now. Some school districts have handed out packets and have given resources mm -hmm. and things, and then some are still trying to make a plan. What I would, my advice to, to anybody out there, whether you're in the middle of a plan or you're waiting on a plan, is to go ahead and set up a schedule, a real loose household schedule. Have a meeting with your children and say, hey, guys, look, nobody saw this coming. This is, we're all in this together, and we're all going to get through this together. And we're not going to require more of you than we're able to give of ourselves at this moment. Mm -hmm. And you've got to understand that mommy and daddy still have to work, and we have to have structure and rules because our work has to take place. But also, you have to be fed intellectually on some level too and make a really loose schedule that says we're going to wake up at this time and maybe maybe I would I would say let your children sleep in number 1 but you don't sleep in you wake up early and get some things done before their feet hit the floor. Because we all know when their feet hit the floor, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, especially if you go. have younger, younger children. I yes. Guess, right? yeah. <laughs> so well, I mean, okay. They can sleep in if you have those lazy teenager age. Well, so, so you have a, a freshman in high school. Like, what do you expect of them next week? Okay, so 
at, at his school, we have not been given assignments yet because he's technically still on spring break. So starting Monday, he will be given assignments virtually through Google Classroom. And I will expect for, and, and my older son is in college, and they start online schooling next week. And so I will expect those assignments to be honored by the teachers that are taking the time to give those ex- assignments. I certainly hope that any teacher out there that is preparing right now for their virtual school is keeping it brief. This is an unusual time. You're not going to be able to get everything done that you would have in your regular classroom. Teachers out there certainly don't underserve it, but don't overserve it either. You know, I can see, I'm being very transparent here, I can see where some teachers out there may be thinking, well, I've got to make sure that I plan all this stuff because I don't want the parents to think we don't do anything all day. And you, you know, you think that's a mistake, right? I think that would be a mistake yeah. because, you know, and there's insecurities everywhere, but teachers do a lot within a day. And, and no, it doesn't always trickle right down to the instructional time. So I've, I would I would urge my friends and colleagues to make sure that you are sensitive also to the fact that, you know, no, we don't teach our, our classes during the day and also work a second job at that same time. I, you know, I, so teachers have got to understand that too. I basically asked Christina this question and I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. I, I'm really not this pessimistic. <laughs> I'm not this pessimistic, but I do want you to tell me your opinion. I mean, look, there's, there are two months of school left where we live at least just two months. This is a pipe dream. If educators think that they're going to be able to get all these kids learning over this next two months with all the distractions doing this through distance. I mean, is this possible? Or are we just fooling ourselves? It is. I do not think it is possible. Um, you don't and think I do it's not possible. Think that's, I do not. I do not think that you're going to have the same level of commitment to the overall learning goal um, that you would have if the children were in the regular classroom. Now, I do know some teachers, friends of mine that are doing online virtual classrooms through Zoom. And that is wonderful because um, the children. But but that is also very limiting. Not everybody has internet access. Right. Not everybody even has a device where they could log on with Zoom and watch their teacher virtually. So that's very limiting. Not everyone has printer. I mean, I right here in my house, I'm struggling right now with what I can print out and not because that ink is right. yeah, pricey, right? gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, I, so what I'm, what I really, what my, I don't know what Miss Christina said, and I value her opinion, but my opinion is you're, you cannot have the same goal that you had when you started the school year out. We are in new uncharted territory. The goal has to shift. I think it is, I think it would be very unfair to all people involved, parents, teachers, and students to keep the same goal to say, yep, we're going to meet every single benchmark in these next two months and they will have, they will be introduced, retaught and mastered. No, I do not think that that is a fair goal for the last two months of school. I think what I would suggest, and this may be completely different than what an administrator would suggest. I would, I would suggest a positive attitude shown from the parents to the children that 
learning, continual learning is important to this household. We are not done with school. We may not be able to master everything that our state frameworks said we should by the end of second grade, but we're not going to sit and just lay down and not do anything. Learning is important to this family. So every day there will be active learning within this household, mostly because we have to work while you're working, children. We're all in this together. So here's some things that your teacher has said that you can be doing during this time. And while you're doing that, this house will maintain structure during that time because we'll be doing our work as well. But keeping a positive attitude, saying that it's important, um, and And then also the good thing about virtual learning is so much of it is fun and engaging if you have the luxury of devices and Wi-Fi. Um, I I really do hurt for the places and the families that won't have those luxuries. Right. And then Christina and I did talk a lot about that because, you know, she serves a district where that's very much the challenge that they have there. You uh, this week have been on spring break. How have you reached out to parents or have you had to yet or does that start next week for you? I have not reached out to my public school students, the some 700 second and third graders. We have not reached our school district has reached out to them, but right. I have not personally. Now my, my after school art studio, um, I have reached out to those parents because we just announced the school closure still through April 17th. Right. And so that automatically closes my after school activities as well. So we were thinking at first it was just going to be next week that we would be closed. And now it's until April 17th. And it truthfully. Yeah, we've talked about this. It, it may go. We'll be past that. Right. So, right. So um, that is very, uh, you know, stressful for me because I, I don't do after school art lessons from my home. I have a storefront and have for almost 15 years now. So um, where children, you know, I have 80 students that come throughout the week um, in small groups to do after school art lessons. But we also do children's birthday parties and um, summer art camps and weekend events. And so this is really scary for me because I do not have means to pay the rent there look well you want to um, you want to get that and keep that instruction going so like what have you come up with so i reached out to my current well this week during spring break i made um quite a few videos um and made video bundle packages of me taking my students through lessons um and I made it all, you know, available to anyone that wants to purchase the bundle. So it was like a crayon bundle, three lessons of me, videos set to music with graphics that show going through drawing a Picasso face and a game where you can draw, roll the dice and draw the different facial features to make a new Picasso face each time. Um, and then, you know, other crayon, you know, three different crayon activities of like a tiny monster drawing where you can get cups from, you know, plastic cups or maybe, uh, you know, a little coffee cup and trace circles to make this little monster things you have at home. Um, so I had like a watercolor package, you know, with a, several videos, th- several different lessons for $5, then a crayon package, several lessons, $5. And the link is emailed to you and you can, I will take your child through a lesson. Most of the parents have emailed back and said their children were engaged with zero help from the parents. Oh, that's cool. So, for, so you, this is already happening. Like you've already have yes. stu- your students are yes. using this. Yes. And then just supporters of the 
the local art studio that I own here, but also supporters. I mean, I had somebody from Colorado download it because they know somebody that shared it on their Facebook page. Oh, that's cool. So I'm trying to just rake in a small, small amount to be able to apply towards the bills that will be due at Bristles. Um, and then going forward with my normal after school art studio students, like those kids, I'm making a pickup pack where they are going to swing by next week and pick up a palette, paint brushes, you know, art supplies, and even the paper. Okay. And they will have their own videos that go through. We were we were set for our Earth Day projects, and so they will be doing their Earth Day projects with the videos for me. And that will not be open to the public. That will only be for my current students. Um, and I reduced their tuition from what they normally would pay for the month of April. I reduced it half. Um, but I gave them the option, Nick, to where they they don't have to participate in this because I do understand that some some of them are affected financially like I am. Right, yeah. And so uh, I have I just sent that email out yesterday giving them the option, and I've probably gotten 10 responses back, five saying, hey, we'll do the, the half-reduced package, you know, and do the video lessons thank you so much for doing this. And then the other half saying, I'm so sorry, but, you know, please remove us from the roster for the end of the year. This right. is, you know, really unexpected. Well, so, okay. So, so if like, if somebody's listening and they have like a, you know, let's just say pre-K all the way through sixth grade, like they don't have to know you or do this to like hop on your website and, and do like the crayon art video pack. Right. No, they don't. It's Miss Lissa's at home art. And, um, like dot com, my website. Well, no, it's you would order it through my website, which is bristlesstudio.com. And there's a tab on bristlesstudio.com where you can go to Miss Lissa's at home art page and you can see the bundles and see what, what supplies I, I designed the bundles to go with supplies you would already have at home. So one's a pencil package and it's a little more, um, technical, um, but. Probably Maybe for like high schoolers, right? Well, no, no. I have some adorable pictures that they have sent me of their children that are, you know, in second and third grade. But okay. you, you definitely want an interest in art because you're drawing still lifes. You're setting up your own still life setups at home and drawing apples and, and glass jars. And um, it's truly technical. It is, you know, I've had, some, you know course i thought about where people say well there's art there's art videos already on youtube lissa for free they there are and they're quick little um some of them are very quick um time lapse videos that are so satisfying to watch and very entertaining i love to watch them myself but this is truly me taking your student i mean i'm pretty sure the pencil yeah the pencil the pencil um lesson still life drawing I think it's a 45 minute video Um, and it really is from start to finish. And, um, and all the pictures that I'm getting back of people that have completed it and sent and emailed me their finished product. They're like, thank you so much. This is wonderful. We don't even have an art place in our area to where our child could go for after school art lessons. Please keep this going even after all this chaos ends so that we can tune in and, you know, pay for these bundles and have art at home because we don't have that anyway in our area anyway. That's so that's, cool. that's been a positive. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's like I've watched Bob Ross on TV and um, 
you know, I, I could never do what he does by just watching the video. But I, I know you are, are great with like knowing what a child needs to do when starting to draw, you know, so I, yes. that's probably the big difference like in the videos that you, you are speaking directly to the child. Yep, definitely. With with many, many years experience, I had one parent email back and say, I kept standing next to my son saying, you know, do you need help? Do you need help? And he finally turned to her and said, Mom, this is not your project. <laughs> That's and, good. That's good. Though. And no, I don't need help. She's even showing me like, because I go through like where to put your hand for placement and size because that's sometimes something that children face when they get a large piece of paper they don't know well how big do it like one of my lessons is the titanic with the iceberg oh and so i i help them you know put their hand to know okay here's where it should be on your paper and let's keep our hand there and draw around it so that we get our size right look things like that that you don't think of otherwise I'm, i'm that guy who writes a birthday card and i start writing happy birthday and then i'm like running out of space on the, yes, that, are, that may not ever happen to you. The next thing you know, like well, I mean, the second half yeah. of birthday, like the letters get smaller. I'm, I, I'm I like, think that does happen to a lot of people, but that's part of what I offer is let's think about this. Let's plan this out. Let's not just dive right in because then we'll be erasing and frustrated. So, so many parents have said, you know, this was, you know, and the, what one of my favorite responses that I've gotten back from parents is where the whole family is showing me the the painting of the frog prince where they all did it mom dad and the kids and they said this was the best we all sat down played your video I mean and if you have three videos for five dollars right and you break it down to one child you're 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 not spending very much per child for an hour and then when you break it down to the whole family got to do this activity you know it's priceless yeah that's and they have they can play that link over and over and over again that's emailed to them. And they're not searchable links on YouTube. So I do have a YouTube page that's Miss Lissa's At Home Art. That is my YouTube page. And there are a few videos on there that are just open to the public. Okay. So if you want to like just kind of see a sample of what it's like. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but these video packs that are sold through my website, the, the link is directly emailed to you or text to you, whatever you chose at checkout. Awesome. That's pretty slick. Well, uh, Lisa, we appreciate you uh, hopping back on the show with us. And this is a crazy time. Um, but, you know, everyone's looking for things to do with their kids. And I think this is a great one, um, whether they know you or not, uh, to hop online and, and check out some of these videos. Well, thank you. And y'all take it easy on your kids. <laughs> yeah, look, that's great advice. I, I had not thought of that yet, you know, so we will not overwork them. I, I guess that I need to stop with the eight hour school day. Again, that website is bristlesstudio.com. Thanks, Lissa. Right, thanks. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismissed. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.